Hey everyone, I'm Jesse Sparks, host of the new podcast, The One Recipe, from the team behind The Splendid Table. This pod is all about that one recipe that you lean on. The one you share with friends, the one you make when you need a little love, and the one you know will work every single time. Every week, I talk with chefs and gifted cooks from all over the world about their one and the story behind it. We're here to help you build your kitchen library one dish at a time. Follow The One Recipe wherever you get your podcasts. The world is a dumpster fire. I'm Amy. And I'm Grace. And we want to fucking help. We're comedy writers in Los Angeles, and we like to take the bad shit we hear and work through it together. We talk about cultural moments we love. Talk to people we adore. Crushes we have. And self-care we stand. During these trying times, we all need a show that focuses on joy. This is The Antidote. Hi, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you're back. Welcome from both coasts. Now I'm in New York and Grace is in L.A. I know. We switched. It's so (laughs) wild. I'm here for an event. And yeah, I had to leave Amy back in New York. Yeah, but she'll be coming back soon because we have our live show coming up. So Saturday, November 12th, 7.30 p.m. at Union Hall in Brooklyn, New York. Don't forget about it. Yeah, doors open at 7 p.m. And we can finally announce our two wonderful guests. Oh, my God. Who are... Drumroll, please. Dulce Sloan and Jordan Carlos. We are so, so excited for these two amazing guests to to talk to them live. So you don't want to miss it. You better come. Yeah, come on. You can purchase tickets now at nycomedyfestival.com or at the link in our show notes. And you guys, Dulce Sloan and Jordan Carlos, like, they busy people, okay? Yeah. Let's respect them. Let's respect them and show up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, tickets are selling fast. So if you'd like to come see us, um, we would love to see you. By the way, Grace, I was just thinking about how there's new music coming out this week. Mm -hmm. And I saw that, like, Chloe Bailey and Ashanti and Rihanna and SZA are all dropping songs. SZA's song shirt is like... Okay, girl, just rip through my heart. I get it. <laughs> oh, shit. I, get it. I haven't heard it yet. We sat outside. <laughs> we sat outside. These men be treating us bad. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> but I noticed that, like, I love Chloe Bailey. She's, like, so extra and, like, has always been extra since day one. And it feels like fucking cyber bullies are coming for her because she's always doing the most. And I just saw her video where she talks about how she's so excited that her new song is coming out with Lotto. And I was like, why are people coming for her? This girl has so much joy and people just want to take it from her. What is that about? Yeah, I hope she's not reading the comments. I feel like I hope she's staying above all of it. But, you know, you're mm. a human being. When you hear people like talking shit like that, you're going to have some sort of reaction probably on the inside, even if, you know, she's not showing it. Here's the thing that I've never understood about the Internet and I continue to not understand, like, leave people alone. Like, why are you coming for people on the internet? That part. You know what you could do instead? You could take a class. You could cook a meal, hang out with your man, hang out with your kids, go for a walk, listen to some music. There's so many other things that you could be (laughs) doing. Like, live your fucking life and quit trying to ruin others. You, I promise that if you get outside or do something else instead of, you know, bothering somebody who's living their best life, I promise your life will be better. Stop, like, taking time out of your life to, like, bully people that you have no connection to. They don't know you. Why would you take a minute out of your day to make somebody feel worse? I don't get it. 
And we talk about it later with our guest, Sam Irby, who's an amazing author and such a funny person. But the idea, like so many of us are going through things that you can't even see, mm-hmm. like especially in this post still in a pandemic world, being outside is hard. So why would you ever try and take someone's joy? I feel like when people do shit like that to especially celebrities like Chloe Bailey, who are just so joyful, it's literally because they feel dead inside or they feel bad about themselves. And they're like, I want you to feel like me. (laughs) So I'm going to bring you down. (laughs) I'm like, get a hobby, learn to paint. Yeah, it must be. So, Amy, we wouldn't need the antidote if we didn't have something to get an antidote from. Starting now up top with our bummer news of the week. Okay, hit me. So the first thing up is that, I don't know if you heard about this, but the founder of Firefest, Billy McFarland, is starting a new festival. For anyone who doesn't remember, Firefest happened in 2017. The founder has served four years in prison after the festival turned out to be a con. Yeah. This festival is what gave us the great line from Ja Rule. Like, I have been tricked, bamboozled, <laughs> hoodwinked. <laughs> I know. That documentary was wild, man. It's so crazy. And how open this guy is about his scammery. And he's like, yeah, I started a black card that gets you into parties, but it was just like people giving me $500 and then they're part of a Wait, list. Wait, was, like, was that the documentary yes. where that, that white man was just like, I was going to suck dick for some water? Yes. <laughs> yes. Where he's like, I was willing to do anything. And they said, you need to suck dick to get water. And he's like, I did. I almost did it. <laughs> So Billy McFarlane got the girls in a vice. I don't know what his magic is. I have no idea why this white man is so powerful. But anyway, now that he's out of prison, he started posting messages saying he has something in the works. And he's like posted all these clues on social media for what he's planning and hints at another venture that included a treasure map and a number to call. And I'm like, wow, white men stay getting third and fourth chances. True. But also, you know what? There are going to be a population of people who are just like, I just want to go to see what the fuck happens. You know what I'm saying? There will be a population of people who's just like the fire Festival guy. Yes. This should be interesting. Let's see what disaster it turns into yes. now and just blog it. Like, that's the sad thing is that sometimes notoriety is the same as skill. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they'll <laughs> be right. like... Oh, it'll be a conversation starter. It'll be like a cool thing. I went to the new Firefest, haha. So he's probably right. Yeah, you're not <laughs> wrong. And that's the thing. I'm like, it's a bummer, but I'm not even that mad because honestly, whoever falls for it kind of <laughs> needed to lose some money, I guess. Like, yeah. I'm like, scam me, daddy. Like, if scam you were, me, daddy. Yeah, it's like, scam me, daddy. I'll suck dick to get scammed. <laughs> In a weird way, I'm like mad at Brett Favre for stealing funds from a small community to build a volleyball court for his daughter. I'm mad about that. But this I kind of think is funny. Yeah, I was just like, if anybody's going to fall for it, anybody going to go to the new fire festival, you deserve whatever you get. (laughs) But that's not the only bit of bummer news. I also heard, this one really made me sad. I heard that Megan Thee Stallion's home got broken into. This was from NBC Washington. There were some thieves who broke into her LA home and sold hundreds of thousands worth of goods. And law enforcement said they confirmed, quote, the crooks took an estimated $300,000 to $400,000 in jewelry, cash, and electronics from inside the home. She wasn't home. She was in New York preparing to host SNL. But it made Makes me kind of sad because I'm like, 
wait, as a celebrity, she has to promote the things she's going to do. So she basically promoted the fact that she wasn't home. And then people came and stole her shit. And if you guys saw her on SNL performing, she was almost like crying during that song she has called Anxiety. I love the song. I love that it exists. I love the idea that people at her level are talking about their anxiety. Mm. And there's a verse about her mom. And we all know she lost her mom recently. And she was singing that part of the song on SNL and started getting kind of teary. And I'm like, so this girl's been going through it and she again kind of in that Chloe Bailey way she's just joyful got a fat ass from Houston like Great literally has Great love in her niece. life like we've got like Hardy Fontaine over here being like if you a black girl do your thing and he's doing his thing with her like this girl just deserves all the joy and all this shit is happening to her and it made me so sad and again just like we were talking about with Chloe Bailey yeah people just will mm-hmm. Take any opportunity to, like, steal your joy. Like, what is Megan the Stallion doing except giving us fun party music, twerking for us mm-hmm. on Instagram, looking fine as fuck, doing makeup. Yes. Like, her man's obsessed with her, which I'm obsessed with. Yes. Like, why would you break in and take her things? Like, I know why. I mean, I know why people steal because they want money or they need money or whatever. But at the same time, it's sort of like, do we have to do yeah. this? But, you know, whatever the thieves took, she'll make it back in five minutes because that bad bitch is living her best life right now, having so many different opportunities. We love you, Megan Thee Stallion. We're sorry that this happened. It's so sad. Yeah. And yes, the things they took, she'll get back soon. But I hate that they also took her peace of mind in this moment. Because she ended up tweeting that she was planning to take a break after her hosting duties to focus on her mental and physical health. And obviously this is part of it. Like, let's not forget this woman also got shot. Yeah. Like this woman, like, lost her mother. This woman has been broken into. She's also going through a legal dispute with her former record label. Like, she's going through it. And she's so, as far as I can see, Megan Thee Stallion is a beautiful soul and, like, is a kind person. I hate that people are trying to steal her joy. So, yeah, that made me kind of sad. Yeah, it's it's terrible. Anyway, how do you feel after talking about all this, Grace? I feel terrible. I mean, for Megan more than anything and Firefest, dude, I guess go (laughs) off. (laughs) Try it again. Scam it. I I mean, I would be delighted to hear Lacey Mosley talk about it. So yes, same. (laughs) And how do you feel now? You know, a little low. Peace of mind is a hard thing to keep So let's get into the antidote. This is the segment where we tell you about the culture we consumed and things we did this week that made us feel better about the bummer news. What was your antidote this week, Grace? Well, um, I went to the New York City Ballet. (gasps) You saw the salon show? I saw the salon show. I did see it. Oh my God, my jealousy. And it was amazing. You know, as many years as I lived in New York, I never went to the ballet. And so since I was in New York for work and I heard about the Solange ballet, the Solange was going to be, mm. why am I calling her Solange? <laughs> Solange. I love that. Uh, my apologies, <laughs> Queen. Ballet. I was like, let me go support this Black woman. I've seen different reports. Some people say she was the first Black woman to compose something for the New York City Ballet. Some people are saying she's the second. Regardless, it's a number that's too low. I'll tell you that much. Because we be dancing. I'm just right in music? What you talking about? We've been doing that Come since on. the beginning of time and slaying that shit. So the whole show is called New Risen, a ballet choreographed by Gianna Risen. And Solange's section was called Playtime. And so Mm. the dancers came out in these sort of like 80s style, like 
jeweled tone power suits. And so they're dancing these power suits. And the suits featured like 800,000 Swarovski crystals. And I think it was Indiana Woodward who danced like the principal role in it. But I was so excited to see India Bradley, who is a Black dancer from Detroit. Holla, represent. So it was just so beautiful to see what these dancers can do with their bodies. Like they're up on point. Like the lines that they make with their bodies are so beautiful. And of course, Solange's piece was very Solange. It was very light and airy and beautiful. And they were like twirling and dancing in these beautiful suits. And I was just so proud of her, like doing something Mm. so out of the box and so different. Like you could tell the people who were there for Solange and the people who were there just for the ballet. (laughs) Were people cheering? There's like a little section of Black people going, go off, queen. Yeah, basically. uh, You're a pirouette, bitch. You're a pirouette, bitch. Uh, No, everybody. It was very dignified, but sure, like sure, sure, the sure, black sure. women like pulled up. You know what I'm saying? As you know, as black people, we like to dress. Yes, okay? we do. And so the black women <laughs> that pulled up to the Solange Ballet were turning looks. I saw feathers. Ooh. I saw beautiful colors. Ooh. I saw so many different kinds of hair, natural, you know, braids, you know, weaves, whatever. Everybody was looking fine as fuck. So it was such a beautiful display. It was such a lovely way to spend like a Sunday afternoon. And then after that, I like went and got some food from a place nearby and came Mm -hmm. home and had the rest of my Sunday. It was so lovely. So uh, congratulations to Solange. And yeah, yeah, I think they're going to try to do another set of performances in the new year. So if you miss Mm -hmm. it this time, then keep checking for tickets. That is amazing. What was your antidote this week, Amy? Well, mine was a little more basic, but hearing you talking about food, you left the ballet and got some food. And my antidote this week was meal delivery. And I'll explain why. Not like Uber Eats or like fucking DoorDash. Like they always don't bring my meals. So (laughs) I've had some bad luck with like meal delivery, like that type. But... For those who don't know, I'm out in New York directing a show, the show that Grace works on, which makes me so, so happy. Michelle Buteau's new upcoming show for Netflix called Survival of the Thickest. Thickest. And in LA, I get meal delivery, and I won't say what service because I'm about to drag them, but um, I get meal delivery from this consistent service that sends me lunches because sometimes in the workday, I don't have time to like make myself food. So I was kind of like, oh, what am I going to do in New York? Like there's going to be food on set, but very often the food on set can be you know, kind of unhealthy. Like they're trying Mm. to satisfy a lot of different types of people. So they're like, we got chips, we got dips, we got spreads, we got meats, we got grilled veggies and we got things that you can eat. And I'm like, okay. (laughs) So sometimes you like are so hungry and tired that you end up at Crafty and you're Mm. just like eating everything in sight because you don't know what to do. And they do a great job, obviously, but I am the problem. I don't have very good compulsion to be healthy. Yeah, I mean, it's like boundaries. Like it's hard like when you've been working all morning and you're just like, oh, there's something delicious. I guess I won't have it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So it's really hard. Like yesterday I ate cheese and I was like, I'm lactose intolerant. What am I doing? But it's like they offer healthy things. I just grab the bullshit. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So in my efforts to be better to myself while I'm on set, I did this while I was on Insecure 2 where I got meal delivery. And what I've done is because we're on location a lot, I don't have a way to take my meals with me. They've been my dinners Mm -hmm. after I come home from work. 
And what I found that that helps me do is after lunch, they bring like a second meal, like another snack around. And so on the days that we're ending at a good time, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to eat that because I have food at home. Mm -hmm. And it stopped me from snacking so much. So I get home and the first thing I do when I walk in the door is make myself dinner with this meal. And the reason I said I'm not going to say the service because the meals are pretty repetitive. It's kind of like, oh, wow, shrimp and couscous again. But like, (laughs) it is really good to have something healthy waiting for me at home that I can look forward to. So it kind of was like a little bit of a hack to not eat so sloppy while I'm on set and I'm tired and like snacks are at a premium. I get to kind of think forward and be like, oh, well, here's something I'm doing to take care of myself. So that was my antidote this week. Great. I mean, I love that. I definitely do meal delivery when I can, especially when I'm at home, just like, Mm -hmm. it just makes things easier. And with your repetitive things and all, I need to get myself together because sometimes I am coming home and continuing the bad behavior. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I love like just in general that you really took care of yourself artistically with your antidote and I took care of myself physically. And I think both of these things are important. And some weeks you don't get both. So if you can focus on one thing at a time, you're still doing the best you can. If you guys tried any of our antidotes at home, share them with us using the hashtag That's My Antidote. That's hashtag That's My Antidote. Or leave us a voicemail at 833-684-3683. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back to The Antidote. We have a very special guest today. Who is it, Amy? Our guest today is incredible. She's the creator and author of the insanely popular blog, Bitches Gotta Eat, where she posts about her life and about Judge Mathis. Her recaps are a treat. She has written and produced for HBO's Sex and the City spinoff, and just like that, as well as Tuca and Birdie, Shrill, and Work in Progress. She has published four books, and she has a fifth book releasing next year titled Quietly Hostile. Please welcome New York Times bestselling author and all-around badass, Samantha Irby. Hello. I can't believe you made me sit through that introduction. (laughs) (laughs) I'm upset with myself, too. I was like, this must be painful. (laughs) First of all, I just want to say that Judge Mathis is known as, like, my mother calls him her boyfriend. And um... every Black woman of a certain age is Greg Mathis's pseudo wife. <laughs> so I have been to this taping a bunch of times. Oh my gosh. Live. You, it's impossible to live in Chicago and not there. <laughs> you walk down the street, oops, you're in the taping. Yes, I'm not going to the Bean. I'm not going to the Sears Tower. I'm going to see <laughs> Greg. And every time I've gone, when I tell you that the women age 50 to 65 are dressed Mm -hmm. like Easter Sunday at church. Trying to catch Greg's (laughs) eye, you know, with their Easter hat. Yeah, the kitten heels are in effect. (laughs) Once I went there and this lady was like, hey, like, you don't get to talk to him, right? You get to talk to the Mm -hmm. bailiff because he, like, entertains between cases. (laughs) I don't, I can't believe I'm talking about this, like, this is real court, but there was, (laughs) (laughs) and this woman was like, hi, Greg, and I was like, I mean, shoot your shot, but girl, he is married, and this is TV. He cannot talk Wow. Just tossing the puss over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and you know, he's from Detroit, 
which is where I'm from and where my parents still live. So yeah, he holds a very special place in our household. My mother loves judge shows. So I've, I've seen too many, <laughs> than, more than I wanted to. I you know? don't watch and your recaps take me there, Sam. Oh. I have to be honest. I read your recaps and I'm like, I saw it. <laughs> that is the highest compliment I've ever been paid. I am more proud of those recaps than I am of my books. I just, it just, I just, it, during the pandemic, I was like, you know, I love a bit, you know, I will run a bit into the ground. Yeah. Like I am a annoying person in that way. And it was like early pandemic. And I was like, what can I do? Right? Because we weren't leaving the house. And I'm like, what inside my house can I turn into a thing I can like yeah. write about? Because like, I wasn't doing anything interesting. And I was watching Judge Mathis and I tweeted, would anybody <laughs> read it if I recap Judge Mathis? And all it takes for me is one yes. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah. you weren't looking for like a critical mass. You just want yeah, one person no, to say, yes, I please progress that way. to be like, hey, can you be an idiot? And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm, yeah, right away. <laughs> and like... I came home one day. We still have a house phone. And I don't know how they got my number, but like some Warner Brothers executive left a message. And I was like, oh no. Because I was like, when am I going to get sued? (laughs) Yes. Yes. They're like, hello, Miss Irby. (laughs) Well, that's what I was prepared for. But the message was like, hi, this is David. I work for Warner Brothers. And I was like, here we go. Here it comes. Here it comes. And he's like, someone alerted me to your recaps. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. And he's like, could you give me a call back? What? That's too vague. I would never call that person back. (laughs) David from Warner Brothers? I was like, I'm never calling Absolutely not. (laughs) Oh no, that's not enough information. I need to know how you feel. Y'all need to get in touch with David. (laughs) Call them and tell them that I'm sorry. You would have read to your agent, like, find out what the fuck this is. No, I called him back and they wanted to work together. (gasps) Oh my God. And I was like, this is amazing. And then I was like, does Greg know? <laughs> Has Greg Quick read my <laughs> And then what was he wearing when he yeah, read that? when he read it. <laughs> First, does he know and also what's under the rug? Um, <laughs> just or... <laughs> so I ended up like not working with them because I was like, oh, I can't do an extra thing. <laughs> Well, also, you have to be, like, honest in your recaps, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Because if you are, like, cuddled up to production, you know, you can't be as candid as right. you want to. When Greg mm-hmm. makes a mistake, yes. would I not yes. write it if I know yeah. that he's yeah, going to read exactly. it? Listen, what I'm hearing is that you're bringing light. Yeah. I think they should be great. Yes. Yes. They're grateful. Well, she's very impressive, isn't she? But we aren't here to talk about your many, many, many accomplishments, Samantha. We are here to get deep. Let's check in first. How are you feeling today? Like for real, not small talk. Is anything weighing on you in life? Well, I am a month into a new Zoloft. Love that. Right level of deep. I mean, I still am in therapy. Mm -hmm. Do you guys ever, I mean, I feel like (laughs) this is no knock on my therapist, but I feel like when I log into therapy, like for me, it feels like, oh, 
this is the Samantha Irby comedy hour. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, I never like bring any sensitive, thoughtful yeah. energy. Like I see her face and I'm like, can I get her to laugh? <laughs> It's truly like, I would love to be healed, but first, will you laugh at this 45-minute set I'm about (laughs) to do? So I'd been in therapy for a couple of years, and whatever I'm not getting from it is my fault, (laughs) I will say. (laughs) You're like, it's me. It's on me. I'm the problem, and my therapist refuses to identify (laughs) It's on me. I'm like, could you give me homework at least... I would be doing something. So the pandemic sort of like broke my brain a little bit in that, you know, we didn't have to go outside or go anywhere Mm -hmm. or see anyone. My general resting state is like hermit, right? Yeah. If I don't have to leave. And like, it sort of indulged all of my worst instincts and habits. Mm -hmm. It was like, oh, great. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get really comfortable in never going anywhere and never doing anything. And then when things started to open back up, I couldn't handle it. And I'm a pretty, like, even-keeled person, right? Mm -hmm. And I know myself Mm -hmm. pretty well. I'm, like, really self-aware. And I would find myself in public just terrified, like, Mm. petrified. Not even that something was going to happen, right? It was never like, Mm -hmm. oh, somebody's going to walk in here and shoot us all up. It wasn't that kind of thing. It was very specific to me. Like, if I'm in the grocery store, oh, that man over there is probably going to come yell at me for making bad produce choices. Right, You know. So the moment where I was like, oh, I really have to get some help. I was in the car. It was raining. And I had my windshield wipers on. Like, not the fastest they could go, but not the slowest, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's on the medium. medium. And I'm sitting at this red light. I look at the car next to me and his are going like slow. And I started to spiral, for lack of a better word, being like, Mm -hmm. why do I need mine to be fast? Why can't I just drive with the slow wipers like that guy? Why can't I be relaxed about anything? Mm -hmm. And truly, I'm like coming undone about Mm -hmm. windshield wipers while stopped at a red light. And I was like, this is not normal. I need to Mm. talk to someone. Mm -hmm. And it took a little while. I had a couple other incidents. Like (laughs) I was in Trader Joe's and it felt like this woman was chasing me. I know she wasn't. But do you ever, are you ever in the store and you see someone around every corner and like, yes, in a rom-com it's cute. But when Mm -hmm. your brain is like boiled linguine, it's terrifying. Yeah, it's terrifying. I was like, she's following me. I need a doctor. (laughs) So I finally got a doctor. No, I get it. I mean, honestly, what we've all been through collectively in these past few years, like Mm -hmm. it has done different things to different people. Like I was very much like you where I didn't barely leave my house for like a year and a half. And then mm-hmm, yeah. once I did, and then whenever I would, like before vaccines, I used to sometimes wear two masks and a face shield to uh-huh. go to the store. And then I found myself getting like unreasonably angry with people who are walking in the halls yeah, mm-hmm. without masks in my building. So I was just like in this constant state of discomfort and rage. So what mine yep. turned into is just like cussing 
people out and by the elevator, <laughs> like being like, you can't get on this elevator without a map, you know. So I think whatever this time is done. And then remember, that was all combined with George Floyd and all the racial unrest and, mm-hmm. you know, tanks rolling down La Brea. Uh, so we've gone through something, all of yeah. us. And yeah. So yeah. whatever way ha- you've processed it or whatever triggers it caused, I feel like that's completely normal. And we've all had that, you know. I still remember I went to the movie theaters and it was the first and last <laughs> time going to the movie theaters. Yes. Because I went and I wore two masks and I'm like looking at the audience around me and just seeing person after person coming in without a mask. And I'm like, I'm watching them and I'm like, when the movie starts, I won't feel this way. But then I'm watching the movie and then someone like coughs. And it's literally, Sam, it's not that I'm like, oh, they coughed, I'm going to get COVID. I'm past that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It's just like, I don't want to be around your cough. Yes. I don't want to be around these people. Yeah. I don't like that you're chewing. I mm-hmm. bump my chair. Why did you bump me? Like, it's yes. just so weird. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is, but I'm like, something about the safety we needed from staying safe from COVID yeah. mm-hmm. has become like this weird, like... Permanent thing. Sh- yeah. Permanent yeah. shield that I need from people that I don't know when it'll go away. Yes, but it feels almost like moving through life feels like a video game yeah. or something, right? When it's like, Mario. if like a person comes up to you, it's like, what are you doing? What do you want? I don't, I got to the point where I was like, I don't even, and I'm pretty good at small talk with a stranger. Now it takes me a second to be like, oh, hey, yeah, weather is nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't even know how to talk anymore. And yeah. we, as for processing it, it's like, who has had time? Like, we can't, I feel like we're all just coping, but yeah. we're not yes. like moving through we're not you know, we haven't yeah, we're not processing. Yeah. yeah even though that's going on i do think it's such a wonderful time to be on this call with the three of us because we all identify and yes. i think we should just like work on raising our vibration in this moment like as you know the show is called the antidote because life is hard and we all need different antidotes to deal with the bullshit as we've all yes. evidence there's a lot of bullshit a lot of motherfucking <laughs> <Damn>. bullshit <Yeah. laughs> so much So, Sam, what is your antidote this week? In other words, is there something non-work related that's bringing you a little piece of joy this week? Yes. Okay. Forgive me for bringing up some old shit, but somehow I missed on the first go round Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, wow. (laughs) I love this. Somehow (laughs) I missed it when it was actually on And it's so funny. It's the kind of thing that I wish I could work on, right? Because it's just like insult after insult. You just put that out in the universe, (laughs) Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But you know, it's like, we're going to come back. We're going to come back. Brooklyn 100. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's like, you know, like Veep, like those shows that are like so fast. But at the end of the day, like when it's like, okay, I can sit still before I pass out for 20 minutes and mm-hmm. laugh. Brooklyn Nine-Nine yep. is my, is the soothing balm at the end of my day. Oh. I'm obsessed with that. I also just want to know, Grace, do you have, a, I mean, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is not an old show. It's not. It's like still out here. But is there a show that's kind of like just off the air that is your balm at the end of the day? I flipped back and forth between three, actually. Uh, oh. The Office, The American Office. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, okay. Living single. Yes. Love that. Love that. And yes. um, the third one is uh, Frasier. <laughs> Wait, okay. I love Frasier. <laughs> I also love yeah, Frasier. So those are about three that I consistently come back to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do feel like there's a part of me that's like an old man who went to boarding school <laughs> with the father who's a cop. Oh, I identify <laughs> I with Frasier hard, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, Frasier and I have the same standards for life. <laughs> his, his household is like the, it's eclectic. Like, the way he decorates, I was like, yeah, me too, Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> Toss salads and scrambled eggs, baby, all day. Come on. <laughs> Sam, you've cultivated a real online presence around being quietly hostile, Mm -hmm. which is why the title of your book is perfect. But obviously, and I hate to reveal it to people, but there are corners of your heart that are really, really warm (laughs) and sweet. (laughs) And I'm curious about these two identities. How do you hold them both in your life? And when do you choose to let one show more than the other? Well, okay. Oh, that's a good question that I'm I don't even have a funny answer for. Um, I'm not your therapist. You don't got to be funny. (laughs) (laughs) Stop trying to give us a tight 10. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) I think in general, like, okay, all I ever want to be is liked. All I want to do is like make people happy, which is why I write jokes because I want to make people happy. And so I always lead with the nice. I mean, I truly am nice and, like, don't have a problem with many people or things until they present a problem for me. So I usually don't go out into the world like, her. But my inner monologue is a nightmare from hell. And... Mm -hmm. In my head (laughs) is usually where the hostility lies. A lot of it's Mm. pointed inward, but then sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll just, you know, I have a lot of thoughts that are like, man, I hope his car gets a flat tire today. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) What a gentle (laughs) wish. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, hope he walks to death. That's not so bad. (laughs) I can't have anybody's like death on my conscience, right? Like. I mean, sometimes I'm like, I hope they get hit by a bus and live. That's my, that's my like main. Just hope he breaks a bone real bad. Yeah. Yeah. Hope they're shocked by it. (laughs) But otherwise, fine. (laughs) But yeah, I, the hostile is mostly self-inflicted hostility or it's like reading the news and things happening in the world with my like yeah, inner claws come out. But I try to, I used to, you know, I worked in customer service for so long and uh-huh. I have mastered the sort of like neutral greeting. Like we're having mm-hmm. an interaction. I'll start here. If you go up here, I'll be so nice and sweet and whatever. But if you take it down here, then I'll get right down there <laughs> with you. When they go low, I also go. Yeah. I go to hell, okay? Let's limbo, bitch. I don't care. Let's go. But I do try to, I mean, I don't think that I have some, like, special magnetism mm-hmm. or ability, but I have found that just, like, moving through the world, it truly is easier if you start nice, you know yeah you're so right and sometimes even when it's really hard you're not wrong yeah (laughs) it just starts things off better (laughs) 
there have been some trying situations that if you like, I'd grit my teeth, but you know, I'll be like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. And then it, it works out. What's your sign, <laughs> Samantha? Aquarius. Oh, wow. But oh I gosh. am a Leo rising, which explains there it is. the fire. A lot, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, because I I, I feel very similarly, like I can be very, 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 very nice. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. if you take me there, the flames will come. I'm Aries. So (laughs) the flames will shoot out and burn you. Okay, well, here is some truth. I am sneaky mean, which is like I could not fight right like if somebody hit me <laughs> it would be them hitting me and me hitting the floor right I, I cannot fight but I'm the type who's like how can I destroy something you love secretly <laughs> <laughs> how can I make I don't want to end your life but I just want to make it very unpleasant for you 28% worse <laughs> I love that energy. Like, what's your favorite food? How can I destroy that for you? You know, just anything. (laughs) I'm like the type who, you know, if I'm in a fight at work, let's say like back in the old animal hospital days, and like somebody Mm -hmm. pisses me off at work, I am the type to like, you know, the boss is like, hey, Sam, what's going on? And I'll just be like, yeah. I'm good. We're having a good day. So and so. But you know, that girl over there didn't do XYZ. And I don't know. I cleaned it up for her, but I don't really know if she understands uh, how to work here. Like, uh, I'm that type of person. <laughs> <laughs> just oh my like God. a quiet tattletale, like just a nonchalant <laughs> narc. <laughs> yeah. I feel so terrible admitting that. But if I have to be mean, that's how I'm mean. It's like, I'm doing a great job, but you know who isn't? That girl who <laughs> shitted on me earlier. You know? She may need a talking to. <laughs> she may need a talking to. <laughs> uh, what would you say in your life is your proudest non-career accomplishment? Could oh, be anything. I learned to drive stick shift on the oldest car what? in history when I was 18. And to this day, driving that wreck i had like a 1987 ford escort i feel like i could drive a tank now nothing there's no vehicle that i can't manage the windshield wipers i may have an existential meltdown over (laughs) but i absolutely could drive the car like teaching myself (laughs) painfully how to drive stick yeah, that's up there. And don't you feel like a superhero driving stick? Because you're like, I can drive in Europe. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Anytime I'm watching like the amazing race and they get a stick shift car in Europe and they can't drive and it's just like, er, er, I'm like, <laughs> you're like, I'd fucking kill it. Yeah. <laughs> this one task, I would be good. When they, as soon as they told me to run, I'd be like, oh, I quit. But the car, <laughs> I, I can't do that. <laughs> Oh, I'm off this show now. I mean, that's a huge accomplishment. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I wouldn't even try it. Like, I don't even know where stick ships are. Like, like, where do you even find you don't one? Even, Too late you for don't you, Grace. Anymore. <laughs> now people only have them like for fashion. I drive an automatic now. It's much yeah, easier. I on fully my life. drive an automatic. Yeah. But one time I went abroad and it was cheaper to rent a stick shift, and I was like, "Don't worry, friends, I got it." Oh. And then I stalled out in the middle of like a big old <laughs> roundabout. <laughs> 
Amy pushing the car Incredibly around that roundabout. Oh, uh, <laughs> it must have been something wrong with the car. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh no, I definitely know how to drive it. I think this car is broken. It's not. My Let's fault. take it back. Somebody push. <laughs> oh, Sam. Wow, I feel so much better now that we've talked to you. This Me has been too. awesome. Oh my yes. god. Thank you so much for being here. I mean, Anytime. it's still 2022, but uh, it feels a lot better after we talk to you. Oh. Thanks. Yes. Mine too. You're better than Zoloft. Oh, thank <laughs> yes, you. And every day just a little bit better as the Zoloft <laughs> evens up. <Yes>. You know? <laughs> Do you have anything coming up you want to tell us about? Anything you'd like to plug? It can even be something you just love, not something you created. Okay. Something that I'm not a part of, this podcast maintenance phase. Aubrey Gordon, who is a friend of mine. I'm in my maintenance mine, phase. Oh my God. Who, she wrote a book called What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat. She's mm-hmm. like incredible. She has this podcast where it almost is like investigative or like research based, but where they take some part of diet culture mm-hmm. and dissect mm-hmm. it in a mm. funny. I mean, some of the topics aren't like hilarious, but they are both like so funny and smart. She and her yeah. partner, Michael, they're just really doing good work in the fat people space and. They're just the best. So maintenance phase. Obsessed. Awesome. Check that yeah. out. Yeah, that sounds great. It makes me feel altruistic to plug someone else's work. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. is so but awesome. But I'm going to go ahead and plug your book as well. <laughs> All your you. books. Y'all heard them in the bio, but Thank you know, you. just Google Sam Irby and buy everything you see. Yeah, yeah. You could get it on Kindle. You could get yes. it on Kobo. Yeah, you can get it is. on Audible. <laughs> yeah. You can shock your librarian by asking for yes. it. Why are you in here? <laughs> and where can people find you on the internet? Only only Instagram. What's your Only handle? Instagram. It's bitches gotta eat. Love it. Love it. Classic. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Sam. Thank you so Thank much, you. Sam. Bye. 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 Okay, to close this out, we're doing our creative tap-in, which is our segment about creativity. Amy, are you ready for this week's quote? Yeah, girl. You can't put your finger on who I am. I can't put my finger on who I am. And that is by Beyonce Knowles Carter. What? I've never heard this. Yes. I'll read it one more time. You can't put your finger on who I am. I can't put my finger on who I am. Beyonce Giselle Knowles Carter. Um, (laughs) I don't understand this quote. I can't put my finger on what it means, but that's because... Beyonce doesn't want me to. What I love about this quote is that I keep thinking of her song, I'm That Girl, where she says, like, I didn't want this power. And she's like, it just happened to me. Mm -hmm. That's what it makes me think of how we are actually vessels of our art. And some people are open to the call and some people are not. And sometimes not being open to the call isn't like, oh, you have a talent, you're not pursuing it. It's judging yourself too much, not completing deadlines. It's having an idea and then thinking it's not good enough and not investing in it. But there's always a call. And Beyonce, what I love about her is that she is open to the call. And I think that quote to me, like, you're trying to figure me out, but I can't figure me out because I didn't ask for this. It just happened to me. And I, I was just open to the call. That's what I kind of hear. I want to live closer to that feeling, um, but I don't always. What what does it make you feel, Grace? It actually makes me think about evolution. So Mm -hmm. when I think about Beyonce in particular, like obviously 
the first time we saw her was with Destiny's Child as the lead singer of a group. Then she busts out with, you know, Crazy in Love. And then, you know, everything from Four to Self-Titled to Lemonade to now this new Renaissance Act One. And, you know, we've heard two more acts are coming. And so what I love about her in particular as an artist, and, you know, obviously I stand her constantly. So a lot of people think it's basic to like Beyonce or like it's the thing to do for, you know, a youngish Black woman to love Beyonce. But hmm. I love her because I don't know what I'm going to get every time. Mm-hmm. I bet on nobody's bingo card for 2022, you thought you were going to get a house dance, queer facing, like album, like renaissance, mm-hmm. like When I heard it, Mm -hmm. I was just like, oh my God, she's doing this here and she's doing this there. And that's why I'm so thirsty for those visuals because I know they're going to be incredible. So Mm -hmm. the whole thing about like, I can't put a finger on who I am because you can't put a finger on who I am because I can't put a finger on who I am is that it feels like she's open to evolving in whatever way her art can take her, which is exciting to me because I think on a certain level, as artists, oftentimes we're just like, what is my voice? What am I trying to say? Like, who am I as an artist? But what Mm -hmm. I love about this quote is like, it could be anything. It can change. You know, Beyonce started out as like a straight up pop girl who was dancing and everything. And then she went to Lemonade where she got more politically active in her music. And now this is sort of a return to dance, but in a different way. So it's like, maybe we don't need to be so concerned about defining ourselves as artists, that we can just sort of evolve wherever the work takes us and stop being like trying to peg yourself in a box or peg yourself as a certain thing. Because if you decide that Mm -hmm. I'm not going to put myself in a box, I'm not going to put my finger on who I am, as Beyonce Knowles Carter said, then if I don't define me, you can't define me either. So that's what I love about this quote is just sort of almost giving permission to be whatever the fuck you want to be. It could be Tuesday and I'm this and on Friday I'm this. So I think it just gives the creative mind room and space to expand. Yeah. Oh, I like that. I love that thing of artist evolution. I feel like I've gotten into so many conversations with people about like some of the greatest artists stay doing what they do. Mm-hmm. They're like, this is my lane. I'm going to stay in it. I'm going to keep doing it. And then some great artists like Beyonce evolve over time. And you always feel her. Obviously, she has such an iconic voice. But like, yeah, she's always in evolution. And I think she's someone who's like, oh, the thing I did last year, over it, moving on. Let's evolve and let's bring the culture with me. It's a, it's really beautiful. And fuck anyone who says it's basic to like Beyonce. Like, so I literally you, you don't mad care. at yourself. <laughs> you mad at yourself? I'm like, wow, okay. Yeah, I guess you don't like joy. But yeah, yeah. Tell me you ain't got self esteem. <laughs> exactly. And the thing is, let the artists evolve because that's also something that yeah. happens. Is like some stands or some fans are just like, no, I liked it when you did this other thing. I mean, that mm. happened a lot with Beyonce after she did Formation. Like people mm-hmm. were just like. Oh no, Beyonce's black. <laughs> like Beyonce cares about people, police white brutality people. <laughs> or whatever. Oh no. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, she's been black, always been black. And yeah, she... she was hiding it to get here to incept your ass. 
<laughs> so, and she won. Yeah, and it, like, let her evolve. Let her be something different. Mm-hmm. Like, when all those country people got mad when she did uh, daddy lessons at the CMAs, and just you see all these, like, dour faces in the audience just hating and refusing to clap and stuff like that. Let artists evolve to do what they yeah, want to do. I agree. Thanks for listening to The Antidote. We hope this injected a little bit of joy into your week. I know it did mine. How about you, Amy? I feel good, girl. We should do this again sometime. Oh, we'll be here next week. And in the meantime, if you'd like to follow us on social, follow me, Grace, at Gracieact. That's G-R-A-C-Y-A-C-T. And follow me, Amy, at Amy Aniobi. That's A-M-Y-A-N-I-O-B-I. And follow the show at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. If you like feeling good about yourself, please subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Goodbye. And take care of yourself today. The Antidote is hosted by us, Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. The show's production team includes senior producer Sierra Spragley-Ricks and associate producer Jess Penzetta. Our executive producer is Erica Krauss and our editor is Erica Janik. Sound mixing by Alex Simpson. Digital production by Miju Sayuni. Talent booking by Marion Ways. Our theme music was composed and produced by TT the Artist and Cosmo the Truth. APM Studio Executives in Charge are Chandra Kavati, Alex Shafford, and Joanne Griffith. Concept created by Amy Aniobi and Grace Edwards. Send us your antidotes at antidoteshow.org. And remember to follow us on social media at The Antidote Pod. That's the with two E's. Also, don't forget about our live show. It's this Saturday, November 12th at 7.30 p.m. at Union Hall in Brooklyn, New York. Doors open at 7 p.m. Our guests are the Dulce Sloan and Jordan Carlos. And you can purchase tickets now at NewYorkComedyFestival.com. That's NYComedyFestival.com or at the link in our show notes. We'd love to see you. The Antidote is a production of American Public Media.